0: Father God, we we pray for our men and our teens that are out at Trout Lake. We pray that the the time that they spend in your word would draw them closer to you, Lord. And as we open your word, I pray that you would speak into our hearts your word, Lord, not mine. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, A few weeks ago, Pastor Gary grabbed me after the service and dragged me into his office, and he asked me if I would do this Sunday and you know I, if, you, if you are a visitor here you don't realize Gary has been preaching through the Bible starting from Genesis and he does typically he does one book a week except for Psalms because you know when you got that many Psalms you got to spend at least three or four weeks on that so my first question to him was where will we be he looks at me and he says Song of Solomon I'm like no <laughs> no it's not happening and he goes oh, okay well let me think about this a little bit he says you know we've got the service at the fair that we're going to do because we did the community service at the fair and then because that's the fifth Sunday of July we'll push communion back a week and I'll just I'll do what I call table talk for that week so he said yeah, I think it'll be Proverbs I said okay I'll do it <laughs> I'm like I'm so not touching you'll if, if you are familiar with Song of Solomon you'll know why I ran from that one um if you think back a few months um, ago um, Pastor Gary kind of took us from judges through um, uh, in judges when the people called out to God that they wanted a king and they wanted to be like other nations because at the time of the judges the judges ruled the kingdom of Israel Um, so God had um, Samuel anoint Saul he was the first judge under what was called the United Kingdom, and then King David followed Saul, and Solomon followed King David. Um, there's actually a kind of for me, there's kind of an interesting symmetry here with with me doing this weekend on Proverbs. The last time that I was up here to fill in for Pastor Gary was uh, First Kings, and First Kings was picking up the beginning of First Kings. Is that time when King David is old? and about to die and he's handing over the kingdom to, to, uh, to Solomon Okay, and that was the last time I was here and um, that's where we kind of pick up is the words of Solomon and if you remember back at that point when we were talking about it God came to Solomon in, in a vision, in a dream he came to Solomon and he asked Solomon what would you ask of me and Solomon didn't ask for wealth he didn't ask for, you know, new lands, new conquests or anything. His, his, his request was actually really simple. He asked God for wisdom so that he could be the best king possible over God's people. That's what he asked for. And God so honored that that he blessed Solomon with great wisdom. We're told it's wisdom beyond anything either before or since that, that he was given. Um, this was not wisdom because he went to college. This was not wisdom because of things he studied or things that he did himself. This was given wisdom that was a blessing and a gift from God. Okay? Um, as we look to Proverbs, um, the majority of the book comes from Solomon. Matter of fact, Proverbs 1.1 1, 1 reads, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. In 1 Kings 4.32 says, we're told that Solomon spoke 3,000 Proverbs. Um, I don't know if you think about Proverbs as like, you know, each chapter being a proverb, but it's really that coupling. If you read through Proverbs, there's this, this interesting coupling of, of phrases that, that is, are done. It's like, it's this, not this sometimes. And that's, that by itself, that's a proverb, okay? Um, in the Old Testament, there are a handful of books that are called the wisdom books, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, which is sometimes, if you depending on your translation, called Song of Songs. Um, now, those of you that know me pretty well and know the story of like how I ended up in a wheelchair, you're probably wondering really like why Gary asked me to preach on anything doing wisdom. But we're not going to go with my words. We're going to go with God's words today. So as we look to his words, I want you to, to consider a couple of things. A few weeks ago, as Pastor Gary preached on Psalms, he went to great lengths to explain to us how Psalms is is Hebrew poetry. And he broke it down and he explained it to us, the structure of the language. Proverbs is also poetry. We also need to talk about the language a little bit that's used in Proverbs as we get into it. Some of the really kind of more ultra-modern translations like the Living Bible or the New Living Translation, they totally remove something called the grammatical feminine. So depending on your translation, if, if it's not one of those new ones, you may see wisdom referred to as she. So what do I mean by the grammatical feminine? In many languages, including Hebrew, most nouns have a strong gender component. But the gender assignment grammatically does not necessarily indicate the physical nature of the object. In Spanish, a guitar, la guitarra, is feminine. A car, el coche, is masculine. It has nothing to do with the literal gender of a car or a guitar. In English, the word um, wisdom is grammatically neutral, but not so in Hebrew. The Hebrew word is hakma, which is grammatically feminine. And that's why in Hebrew, which is what Psalms was written in, you see wisdom referred to as she all the time. So if you're ever reading through it and you keep saying it, you keep it, you know, over and over, you see she or her. Just insert the word wisdom there, because that's what he's talking about when he says that. Otherwise, sometimes you go like, well, who's she? You know, we, we think of she or her as a person, and it's not. In, in Hebrew, that is wisdom. Um, Wisdom starts with God, knowing who he is. It gives us a correct perspective. Knowing who God is establishes a correct order of everything in our minds and in our lives. The founders of this country understood this when they wrote the documents that this country would be built on. Things like our rights come from our creator, not the government, but from our creator, from God. Many of you know that Ellert has signed up to join the Navy, and he reports in November. One of the things he'll have to learn right off the bat is rank, something he's not familiar with. It sets a foundation for what's referred to as the chain of command. When someone superior gives you an order, you're expected to carry that out. He has to know who he is following. Just as for us, we need to know who we are following. We're following God. And knowing who he is and who we follow is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1 7 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. In order to develop the fear of the Lord, we must recognize God for who he is. We must recognize the power, the might, his beauty, the brilliance of the Lord God. The fear of the Lord God should have a to have that you have to have a continual awareness of Him, a deep deep reverence for Him, and a I can't speak today a sincere commitment to obey Him. Our desire should be for God to grant us understanding, to grant us knowledge, and to grant us wisdom. In Proverbs two verses one and two, we read, "My son, receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you." making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. And following in verse 6, it says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 8, verses 10 and 11 tell us, Wisdom says, Take my instructions instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. There's that her part. Cannot compare with wisdom. So if you'll allow me, let's I'm going to look a little bit at just Proverbs 3 and go through it and take some selections and and just see what God tells us about wisdom. In Proverbs, Proverbs 3 verses 5 through 7 it says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes." Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This is probably one of the most quoted Psalms, and and it's our memory verse for this week. So, in verse 5, we're told not to, to trust, not to lean on our own understanding. We're supposed to get understanding, which comes from God. Why not lean on our own understanding? Our own understanding is we're talking about conclusions that are based on our perspectives. Our perspectives are never going to be broad enough. They're never going to see things the way that God sees them. We can't just lean on our own understanding. It's incomplete. We have to turn to God continually asking for understanding. That doesn't mean once a day, once a week. That's continually. We need to like, look to him. From him we're going to get understanding. In the case of Proverbs 3.6, acknowledging is not just a surface thing. To know his ways inside and out and to recognize that he is the ultimate arbiter of our lives. What do I mean by arbiter? I mean that God, it is God who has the sole and absolute power of over judging us, over determining our path. Only by knowing him and allowing him control over our day-to-day direction will the second half of the statement come true, that he will make straight our paths there's no way around the the fact that acknowledgement of god is active it's not a passive thing you'll see some people sometimes wear a cross necklace or like on facebook or social media give a shout out to god when something positive happens in their lives but when you look at how they live their lives it doesn't reflect that at all that's just a that's a passive way of doing it it's like isn't this great? This isn't what we're talking about. Acknowledging God doesn't mean just turning to Him in a time of crisis or publicly during a worship time. This is truly all your ways public, private, religious, secular, if you're in a secular job. It's knowing what His Word says, forward and backwards, and living a life that reflect, reflects the fact that God is actually directing your life. That's acknowledging God. That people would see God in your the way that you live your life and the way that you act towards others. Verse nine says, "Honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits, all of your produce." In honoring God with our wealth and what is called our first fruits, we are giving him to him and to the work of his church. Not after we have spent enough on ourselves, but beforehand, our first fruits. This is a visible act of worship that manifests the intents of our hearts. Giving the first of what we have to our Creator is a tangible way of expressing our trust in Him that He's going to meet all our needs. On the other side, if we take the first and the best for ourselves and leave to God only what's left over, we are at least implying, if not outright declaring, that we are not sure whether the Lord can meet our needs. We have to do in a way that we show that we trust him, that he will provide all that we need. In Proverbs three eleven and 12, we read, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. This may be one of the easiest for those of us who have parents and are Our kids are growing, and we can look back at parenting to understand. When our children were young, and we would seek to teach them, we do this because we love them, not because we're trying to, like, limit them. Um, Of course, being children, they, they fuss and they push back against discipline. But God is calling us to a greater maturity, to understand the purpose of his reproof. Think of Olympic or professional athletes, They have the experience and the maturity to not only accept coaching and instruction, but even more to go and seek it out. They look for that reproof. They look for that, you know, we would think of it as criticism maybe, but they're looking for that instruction to actually seek it out. This is a picture of how we should be. As Proverbs 12, 1 says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof Is stupid. It's pretty brutal, but it's pretty true. So if we understand that wisdom and knowledge and understanding come from God, why do we so often make coming to Him difficult and even like make it complicated? I read an interesting article a few weeks ago, and if you allow me, I'd like to read part of it. It's about the actor Anthony Hopkins. I didn't realize a bunch of things about him before I read this. One that was is that. In the early 1970s, he was a successful Broadway actor, but he was also an alcoholic. And I don't know anything about AA, so reading this kind of opened my eyes. Um, And this is an article, and I've only got a little small portion of it, um, talking about Anthony Hopkins. He attended his first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. He showed up at a meeting because he was sick and tired of hangovers and being called, quote, very difficult to work with. At that 1975 meeting, a woman said seven words that transformed Hopkins' life that put him on the road to more than 40 years of continuous sobriety and helped him make one of the most successful motion picture stars, helped make him one of the most successful motion picture stars in the history of the industry. The seven words were simply, why don't you just trust in God? Hopkins took that advice and the results speak for themselves. He went from being hungover and difficult to work with to being becoming one of the most beloved movie stars of all time. And what worked for, for Hopkins can work for anyone. What works for people in this 12-step program also works for anyone. If life isn't working and you think you might need God's help, all you have to do is ask for that help. People wonder what Alcoholics Anonymous is all about and why there's so much a talk of God in the program. The short answer is that the founders of AA recognized that the the reorganization of one's spiritual principles was necessary to escape the grip of addiction. There's a story in the AA handbook called Experience, Strength, and Hope about a newcomer who approached AA co-founder Bill Wilson at a meeting in the late 1930s. I've made a jumble of my life, the newcomer said. What about asking God to unjumble it? Wilson replied. That's what God does. He unjumbles our lives, but only if we let him. Another AA member, Chuck C. wrote in his book, A New Pair of Glasses, that God is a gentleman, he doesn't go where he isn't invited. It took courage for Anthony Hopkins to trust God after decades of uncontrolled drinking and other negative behaviors. But he made that leap of faith, and by trusting God, he has inspired others to more than forty years for more than forty years to do likewise. After all, as we say in AA, if you were feeling distanced from God, who moved? So I just thought that was an interesting article because that's a simple question. we try to make things more complicated than it needs to be. Simply calling out to God, recognizing your need for him um, to sort out your life, as we read earlier, or as, as Proverbs says, to make straight your paths. The wisdom of the instruction in AA that I'm calling out to God, we go back to that starting point that we looked at earlier. Knowing who God is and acknowledging that establishes the correct order of things. And that is the beginning of wisdom, of understanding and of knowledge. Even Jesus followed this precept. Scripture tells us in Philippians 2, 6 through 10, So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What Jesus accomplished on the cross being consistent with God's plan and demonstrating God's mercy and God's grace towards us in in taking all of our sin on himself and paying the price for all of the sin in the world not just the sin at that time, but for all time forward. Offering forgiveness for all who call on his name. That act of loving us like, is like a precious gift. And like a gift, it needs to be accepted. It needs to be opened to actually be received. For each of us, that's an individual decision. Either to accept or to reject his gift. As Romans 10.13 reminds us, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord... Will be saved. If you haven't responded to him yet, the question to ask yourself is why not? What's stopping you? And I pray you do that piece of business with him today. If you have received him, consider this question Are you living like it? Living like a precious child of God? Living like someone forgiven? Knowing that sin no longer has a hold on you? Living like you're the son or a daughter of a king? Do you share his love with those around you, and with a world desperately in need of, in need of those things, in need of wisdom and understanding, forgiving as he has been, forgi- as you have been forgiving, living a life that's victorious, free from the bondage of sin, and filled with the love of God? If you don't see those, if those around you don't see those things in you, what will encourage them to reach out like those in AA and ask? Why don't you just trust in God? We are called to be a light in this world. A bright light, not a, glim, a, a faint glimmer. So as you leave today, let God's light brightly shine on you and share it with those around you. Father God, we thank you for your word. We know that we don't have the wisdom of Solomon, but we have something so much better. We have a risen Savior, Lord. And we have the Holy Spirit that Jesus left with us to guide us and to intercede with us. We have our Savior that sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us in all things and calling out to us and loving us. And we just pray, Lord, that you would give us the boldness to reflect on that, to let that shine through us, and to share it with the world around us. And I pray all this in your Holy Son's name. Amen.